Estás escuchando un mensaje de parte de Vida City Church Houston. Para más información de nuestra iglesia, visita nuestra página de web en vidacch.org. Y ahora con ustedes, el mensaje. You are listening to a message from Vida City Church Houston. For more information about our church, visit our website at vidacch.org. And now with you, today's message. To get into uh, the word today. If you're ready for the word, say I. Awesome, awesome. I got a short amount of time here today because we want to showcase to you a little bit of the classes that we want to start starting in um, uh, for, for Vida City Church English Service. We have what's called our growth track, our grow class, and um, it's going to be after the service. But what we want to do is we want to kind of mix within our service, uh, we want to mix a little bit of the, of, the, of the word and the grow class. But we're going to add an altar call in between, amen? Let God does, do what he needs to do, and God always does what he needs to do in our life. You ready for the word? Say I. I was thinking about the concept of what's next. Last week, Pastor talked about uh, fitting the pieces together, right? We talk, he talked about a puzzle. I love the analogy he gave us about Batman and, and how you have Bruce Wayne and Batman, and he talked about how you need an Alfred in your life that knows how to balance both. That can, that can give guidance to both, to both Batman and Bruce Wayne. I really love the concept. And so I was thinking this week, and I was given the opportunity to give the word this morning for the short moment time that we have. I was trying to think, God, what is next? What is next? I, what is your heart for us? I mean, because the mission on earth was to save humanity, right? And that was we're all under sin and we're all on our way to hell, you know, a place that is away from God's presence. But then... God comes up with this brilliant idea, and it's to save us, but it's the death of his son. But three days later, he came back, and so praise God for that. But what's next after that, after the resurrection of Jesus? And I think there's one thing and one story that I want to share with you um, when Jesus was here on this earth. And this is a weird story because um, the way you and I think sometimes is not the way God thinks. The Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So sometimes God does things that we don't, we, it doesn't make sense to us. You see, when something breaks in our life, we usually throw broken things away, but not God. God will fix it and use it for his honor and glory. So many things that it just doesn't make sense. I don't understand why God would do this. Well, when Jesus was here on this earth, we're going to read the story right now. Jesus is on his way to recruit 12 disciples, 12 people that will follow him, right, to do ministry. Now, this is interesting because um, if you think about it, if I was going to change the world, uh, the first thing I would do was, was go to the richest places in the world and find the best intellect people and build a team, right? If anybody was going to build a business or change the world or attempt to take over something, you want to get the best of the best. And so here's not how the story went. Jesus goes and he raises, uh, is raised up and now he's ready to launch his ministry. So this is what Jesus does. He goes to the best churches in his city and he finds the best preachers and the best pastors. And he's like, I want you as my disciple. I want you as my disciple. I want you as my disciple. I want you. And he, and he goes to the next church. Man, this pastor can preach really good. He knows the word. I want him to be my disciple. Then he goes to a Bible school and he's like, you know what? I found three people here that are just Top of the class, I want those three. So that's, uh, that's already seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, 
that is enough. I need 12 more, two more. So uh, I'm going to go to this next church or the next city and find the best. But that's not how it worked. Jesus didn't go and find the best of the best. He didn't recruit the best of the best. He goes up to this man named Simon, Simon Peter. And he says, has a small encounter with him. Now, the Bible even describes that all the things that Jesus did are not recorded in Scripture, right? Everything that's there is what God wanted us to know. So he goes to this guy named Peter, and he simply tells him this. You belong in the kingdom of God. You belong with me. God's word for mankind is you belong with me. Vida City's church mission is to remind you that you belong with God. Can I get a, oh yeah. So today, today, my title message today, if I could speak to you for a moment, is the subject or the title here, belong. Somebody say belong. You belong with Jesus. Not just here, us here, but everybody. And that was his message to Peter. You have Jesus, a smart, intellectual man who had a heart for God and people. He doesn't go to the best of the best. He goes to a fisherman and says, hey, I need you. Come follow me. Notice, well, I'm going to show you the verse right here. I'm going to throw the verse up right here. In Matthew chapter 4, 18, verses 20. Check this out. What he says, he says, walking alongside of the beach, because Jesus loves being on the beach, right? Jesus is hanging out, playing with his beach ball, volleyball with his friends. But anyways, he's walking along the beach of the Lake Galilee. Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, which we know as Simon Peter, and Andrew. They were fishing, throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work. Jesus said to them, come with me. This is the message translation. In other translations, he says, come follow me. I love the way the message translation because um, in other encounters, Jesus is planting seeds. But this is what he tells them next. He says right there, I'll make you a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. And they didn't ask questions but simply dropped their nets and followed Jesus. Real quickly, in other translations, he says, I know you like to fish, but we're going to go, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So instead of being fishermen, I'm going to make you fishers of men. What does that mean? That means we're going to go out and we're going to win, win people for the kingdom. We're going to reach out to people and change their life. He says, follow me. And simply, they just said, all right, bet. What kind of rod do we need, you know? No, 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 we don't need none of that. <laughs> just, just come, right? Just come through. He says, follow me. So Jesus, in his life, doesn't go out and look for the best of the best. He doesn't go out and look for the top theology school of ministry and find those people. He doesn't go to the top churches in his city and says, I need this pastor, this pastor. He finds a fisherman and he says, hey, come follow me. You belong. That makes no sense to me. I, I don't know why. But again, if God can use a fisherman to help change the world, then surely he can use you and I. So I want to break down a couple of things before our growth class. The first thing I want to dissect 
is the concept of what Jesus said to Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. He says this. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Now, we're not in the Bible times. We're living in the year 2021. And when you hear most people talk about follow me, it's usually pertaining to social media. We Most of the time, maybe 80% of the time, we say follow me. We're not saying, hey, come with me real quick. Or, hey, follow me. (laughs) And expect people to be like, okay, you know. We don't don't do that. When we talk about the concept, follow me, we're basically saying, hey, can you follow me? Okay, the next question after that from that other person you just said follow me would be this. On what platform? Uh, Facebook or Instagram? TikTok or or Snapchat? Which one do you want me to follow you on? We use that, and it's common language. Hey, follow me. When we say follow the social media pages in the church, we say, hey, are you following me? And in most places that I go preach at and speak to, at the end they'll say, hey, where can we follow him? They're not talking about, well, I'm going to go to the restroom right now, but y'all don't have to, you know. Or I'm going home, but I don't really need to. No, everybody understands <laughs> um, where can we follow you. Oh, okay, Instagram, and then I give my Instagram name. The word follow me in nowadays is so much different and easier than what Jesus described follow me. Our definition of follow me is simply this. Oh, okay, what's your Instagram? What's your Facebook name? Oh, okay. Here, I think I, I found you. Okay. Boop. That's it. I'm following them. A single tap is what you call following. A single tap is, I'm following them. How many of us, you don't have to show, raise your hands or, or look around, but how many of us have treated God, when he tells us to follow him, we treat him like a social media account? Where we check in, oh, I'm here at church, tap like, follow Jesus. Lord, I just want to pray today. Thank you for everything you do. Amen. I'm following him. How many of us have actually brought down the meaning of follow me to just a simple social media account and we, and we treat God like a social media account? Or we just do our due diligence. I'm just scrolling through life, Hulu, Netflix, whatever. Oh, I forgot to pray. Like, Lord, just thank you. Okay, cool, cool. I'm following him. I'm checking in at church. Uh, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I'm just going to be... Frank here, that just because you go to church, just because you pray, and just because you read the Bible, just because you believe in God, does not make you a Christian. It means crap. (laughs) It does not make you a Christian. Well, I go to church every day of my life. That doesn't make you a Christian. Well, I read the Bible. That doesn't make you a Christian. Does not make you, I believe in God. That doesn't make you a Christian. Let me tell you why. Because the devil comes to church. He tries to distract us, try to get us our worries, and try to do stuff to us like without, through, throughout distraction. So the devil comes to church. Is he a Christian? Absolutely not. Does the devil know the word of God, the Bible? Yes, of course he does because he lived through all that historical times. So he knows the word. But is he a Christian? Nope. Does the devil believe in God? You best bet he does. Does he have a relationship with God? Yes, he does, but it's not a good one. <laughs> it doesn't make you a Christian. What makes us Christians is not the fact that I believe in God, I'm a Christian. No, no, no. I'm a Christian because I believe that God sent his son Jesus to die for me. But not just that. I also believe that Jesus Christ 
died and rose again on the third day. And one day, I'm going to be with him when I die. That's what makes me a Christian. That is the gospel. Can I get a, oh yeah. So we dilute it down to when we hear things like, follow me, we dilute it down to just checking in. Or oh, I'm good. I just came to church and that's it. That's not Christianity. Christianity is literally saying, I follow God. It's not putting God in my schedule. It's God is my schedule. It's not uh, I got my career and I got my calling. No, it's the career that God has placed me in. My calling is on top of that. So if I'm a doctor, you best bet, how can I use my calling? You know everybody here is called? And I'm not talking about like, it's not just something we say at church. You're called. Whatever occupation you do, you're called to do two things. Number one, to follow Jesus as a disciple. Number two, you're called to win the lost and reach lost people. Those two things. So whether you're a police per, a policeman or a, a firefighter or, or anything like that, you are called as the body of Christ to be a disciple of Jesus and to win the lost. Can I get a oh yeah? This is what it means to follow Jesus. I got a few more minutes here to break down three things. And I want us to look at these three things because when Jesus meets Peter and Simon, he didn't ask him, hey, um, so I know you guys are fishing and you're a fisherman. And I just have some questions for you. Um, how many times do you go to church? Um, how much Bible do you know? Um, what's your pastor's name? <laughs> um, what's the name of the church you go to? Um, did you guys ever attend Bible school? Jesus didn't ask all of that. He simply said, follow me. He didn't ask him, how much Bible do you know? I mean, do, are you a Christian? No. Follow me. And he says that if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. I will show you how to win the lot. Let's break these three things down here. I want to show you here. I put, put it up on the screen. I can't wait for the last one, but let's go to the first one. Who is Jesus looking for? We're going to talk about that. Second thing we're talking about is church design. And the third one is God's ultimate goal. I cannot wait to get to that last one. But real quickly, the first question I have is, who is Jesus looking for nowadays? He's looking for anybody and everyone who's willing to say, God, use me. There's a saying that we used to see here. Uh, I used to hear a lot in, like, conventions and in youth camps and stuff like that. It, like, if Jesus was passing over your city, um, would, would he look for you? Would, would he stop and look for you? Of course, it was a metaphor, and I was thinking, like, man, if, if that was the case, if God was looking over our city, would he stop at Vida City Church and say, hey, I want to use you all to do great things? And, and, and there's other concepts I've heard of, of, like, who is God looking for? Because if, we're, if, if us as a church, if we're just gathering to hear somebody speak and hear some good music, man, we're missing out on so much. I love saying this, that there's over 700 promises in the Bible for you and I as Christians. Hello? 700 promises for you and I in the Bible as Christians. 700. Just right off the bat. As Christians, there are 700 promises from God. Does God, uh, a man that he should lie? No, absolutely not. If God is a God that doesn't lie, he is a promise keeper. Amen? So if there's 700 promises for my life, there's one thing in the Bible that says that is not promised. Does anybody know what that is? The answer is tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised. So those 700 in the word for our life, is it for you and I next week? Is it for you and I tomorrow morning? 
Is it for you and I, uh, whenever we decide to get our act together and get our life together and then we want to finally serve Jesus, is it for them? No. If tomorrow's not promised and there's over 700 promises in the Bible for you and us as Christians, and guess what? Those promises are for you when? Today. Right now. <laughs> that is super awesome. So who is Jesus looking for? He's looking for everybody. He's wanting to use anyone and everyone. I spoke to the young movement, our... Um, our group here at the church, and I asked them, you know, God has a plan for your life? Everybody said amen. But I said, no, really. There's a purpose. You know, if God is a designer and he creates all things and he strategically creates things according to his will because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We cannot even fathom how he thinks and what he wants to do in our lives. If this is true, then he's positioned Every single person in the timeline we call life. For example, God could have placed you in your life back in the days of Noah, back in the days of Moses. You could have been one of the disciples of Jesus, right? But no, <laughs> he decided to put us here in 2021. And I believe God saves the best for last. And if we're living in the last days, you all must be better than Peter, James, John, and all the disciples if God is putting you right now. In most games, they put the best players in the last part to make sure they win. I think God has a plan for you. Can I get an oh yeah? He has a plan for you. So who's Jesus looking for? Everybody. Number two, church design. What is church designed to do? Is it more than just a service and a Bible study? Is it more than just singing? Is it more than just, uh, it just makes me feel good that I go to church on Sunday, but then I live the way I want to live, you know, throughout, throughout the whole week. Church design was the place to come and be open and be free. I was speaking last Thursday that when Jesus died, the veil was torn. What does that mean? That means that back then in the Bible times, they had this thing called tabernacle. I'll call it church. They had this. And listen, check this out. You were not allowed inside the main auditorium or the sanctuary. You weren't allowed there because there would be this huge curtain. If you were to walk into it, they said that the presence of God was so strong that you would die. You would die immediately. Like even certain priests could not handle it. What they would do is they would tie a belt of bells around the, uh, the priest, and then the priest would go in into the presence of God. Literally, if this was the Bible times, it would literally be this area all right here where you're sitting at, all right here, and in the altar. And they would have this guy go in, and he would talk to God, and he would worship God, and they would hear those bells. That means he was still alive. If they heard those bells stop, that means, man, this dude couldn't make it. Like, the presence of God must have been so strong, then they pull him out because they couldn't go in there because then they died too. The presence of God was so strong. It was sacred. But when Jesus died, he says this. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm ending all of this, so there's no need to go to a priest for anything. You can come directly to me. What? That's so awesome. So guess what? The veil is torn, and that's why you and I are here in the house of God. Isn't that amazing? Church design is for us to come and learn and grow with people that are like-minded. That's why Christianity can be so hard because maybe most of your friends are not Christian. And it's okay. I mean, if they're not all Christian and all saved and all growing. But it's going to be a problem when you find them influencing you over you influencing them. I'm going to tell you this right now. If you're the smartest person in your circle, find the new circle. If you're the sm smartest person in your circle... It's, it, there's an old saying that says if you hang around with dogs, you're going to end up a dog. If you hang around with successful people, you're going to be successful. 
So in that same way in Christianity, I want to hang out with people that have a heart for God, that want to do things for God. Because if I hang around with them, that's going to feed off into me, and I'll be able to serve God. It's going to be a lot easier because there's no such thing as solo Christianity. There's no such thing as, well, I'm just going to do church by myself. Well, I'm just going <laughs> to, what is this I heard? Well, I'm just going to stay home and watch online services all the time. Like all the time. That's my church. Yeah, but then you don't like, that's not your church. You just watch it and then you're probably just going to go to YouTube and watch something else. That's, that's not, Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. Amen. His church, not people who watched online services. Amen. Can I go to, oh yeah. The last one right here is God's ultimate goal. I got six more minutes before our Bible study. God's ultimate goal. Remember that thing I said in the beginning of my talk today? What is the ultimate goal here? What does God want to do? God wants to reach everyone. I love this because, again, the way God works doesn't make sense to me sometimes. There's a story of a man named Saul in the Bible. His job was to go out and kill Christians. That's what he did. He would go out to different cities and kill Christians. Like, that's what he did. That's not a good thing. He's killing, and then if you're a Christian... He, like, look, this is how crazy it would be. These people were so pagan back in the Bible times that they would kill children in front of their mothers. They would even do sacrifices to their gods or whatever they were doing. And this is what they would do. They would take babies and they would put them on this, uh, on this hot uh, uh, metal uh, uh, plate with fire underneath. And they would watch the baby sizzle. And they would tell the band that was playing their, whatever they were playing on the drums, to play louder so that the parents don't really hear their kids sizzling. That's the kind of lifestyle that this dude lived. Like this was his culture. And his name is Saul. And he, makes, he has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, you better cut this out. Your name's not Saul. Your name is Paul. Jesus changes his name. And he loves what he says to him. He says, Paul, why do you persecute me? And he changes his life. And Paul goes from slaying Christians to slaying demons, right? He becomes a Christian, and now he's going out and witnessing. And you know what? So, like, doesn't make sense to me, but this is God. God uses this man who's killed, killed Christians, women and children, and does all these things, and that was his upbringing. God changes his life. You ready? Watch this. And God allows this guy named Paul to write half of the New Testament of the Bible. What the heck? That's not fair. <laughs> How, why, what? Let me tell you something. When God changes you, he changes you. You're not just a person that feels good. The Bible describes you are a new creature, new creation. Everybody know Kanye West? I'm sorry, he changed his name to Yee, like I think last week. Kanye West, his life was turned around because of Jesus. There's a, a guy, uh, Kodak Black, um, he is a rapper, and uh, in the gas station, he was there, and he had his phone on, and some street preacher comes to him and says, hey, I want to talk to you about the Lord, and literally talks to him about God, and Kodak Black, the guy who makes tons of money rapping and degrading women and all this stuff like that, gives his heart to Jesus in the parking lot. Another guy, um, I was trying to think of his name. His name's Sir Gabbana. I, I forgot his, like, other name. He was known for stealing a lot of stuff. He would steal, like, Rolex watches and 
shoes. Like he would just like, let me try it on. And then he would run out. But he would record himself and laugh and make a joke out of it. And people would chase him. And his Snapchat was full of foul things of women doing certain things to him. And he would blast this. And he would just party and do that thing. And he goes to jail for whatever reason. And in jail he finds Jesus. And ever since he came, out, uh, came back out about a year and a half later till today, all of his posts are, man, I'm serving the Lord. Man, we're doing a Bible study. Man, we're doing this. Man, we're doing that. Hey, life isn't perfect, but God is for you. God is with you. He stopped doing all the stuff he was doing, and now he's serving God. That is crazy. But that is the grace of God. Somebody like Kanye West to say, hey, um, if you're going to work with me on my new uh, Donda album, whether you're a Christian or not, if you're going to work for this project, every day I'm getting a pastor to come here and we're going to have an hour Bible study. That's just how it is. And so he's like, what the? And he's like, hey, we're not cussing here either. <laughs> That's just how it is. Man, who's this guy? He changed, man. What's up? I followed Jesus. The grace of God and the power of God can change anybody. Can I get an oh yeah? Last verse and then we're going to get right into the next part of the service here. Now, whenever I speak, I try to have a theme, but I already had the verse from something I sp spoke a while back. But I'm going to show you this verse, and this is it right here. This is the ultimate, God's ultimate goal. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, he, talking about God, this is Paul saying this, he wants not only us to be, uh, not only us, but everyone saved. So not just us in church. God's ultimate goal is he wants everyone to be saved, you know. Everyone to get to know the truth we've learned. That there's one God and only one and one priest mediator between God and us. And who's that? Jesus. What does that mean, priest mediator? I told you back then they would have to talk to a priest. There's even some churches today, I'm not going to call them out, but there's some churches today that still go to the priest. Hey, uh, Father, man, I have sinned and I, you know, I messed up, whatever. That's not needed anymore. It says right here, there's only one priest mediator between God and us, that's Jesus, who offered himself in exchange for everyone held captive by sin to set them all free. Eventually, the news is going to get out. This and this only has been my appointed work. Ready? Watch this. This is the goal of the church here. Getting this news to those who have never heard of God and explaining how it works by simple faith and plain truth. Seriously, he calls it simple faith. Jesus even makes it smaller, the faith size of a mustard seed. Because you're not supposed to have a great faith. You're just supposed to have faith in a great God. Can I get a, oh, yeah. This is the ultimate goal for Jesus. And I love how Paul just makes it so simple. Guys, all this religious stuff and all this doing this and doing that and having to go to the priest. And all, guys, guys, we're overdoing it. We're overthinking it. The gospel of Jesus is simple. God sent his son Jesus to die for us. And it's simple. Explain how it works by my simple faith, my whatever faith I have to go to Jesus. And I say, Jesus, here I am. And the plain truth that Jesus is coming back one day for us. And that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's it. Like, that's it. So none of this religious stuff and all this. Guys, let's get it to everybody. Let's get it to everybody. Because it's not our job to change anybody. It's Holy Spirit's job to convict people. All, all my job is is just to bring people to Jesus. You know how much pressure that comes off by doing that? By not having to feel like I got to change everybody? That's not my job. 
My job is to point him to the one who can do that. I can't change no one's heart. Only God can. Can I get an oh, yeah. That's the goal. That's the mission. So I'm going to leave this up here while we do our Bible study. But I just want everybody to know that you belong here at Vida City Church. This is the message for today, that you belong here at Vida City Church. You belong with Jesus. You belong and you are part of the kingdom of God. And I'm so excited because Pastor and I have been talking a lot about um, the future of 2022. Man, we are ready to take Vida City Church to the next level with the help of Jesus. And man, we just want you to know that we love Jesus and it's all about him. And we just want you to grow.